The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. What if you had a near-death experience and found there were spirits there asking for your help? Do you suppose that some of us need psychological counseling even on the other side? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today's guest on the show is Krista Gorman, a physician assistant who died during labor with her daughter 14 years ago. Her consciousness left her body and traveled to the afterlife, where she was reunited with universal love. Before she returned, she made the agreement with her spiritual guides that she'd share what she'd learned there with others, after years of struggling to reintegrate back into her life, Krista wrote, I died and learned how to live, where she was able to put in words what her near-death experience taught her about life. She has made it her life's purpose to share what she learned with others in the spirit of love and service. Krista, welcome to NDE Radio. Hi, Lee. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, I wonder if you could tell us, uh, to start off with Krista, about your near-death experience Oh, absolutely. I, again, it was 14 years ago, like you had mentioned, and I had graduated from my PA training program three weeks before I was to be induced into labor with my daughter. And uh, during the induction, it had been going on for a little while, um, after about 13 hours, I had started to have some shortness of breath that just came on very suddenly. And um, it just progressed rapidly to the point where I, I couldn't take in, any more air. Um, at that point, I passed out, and, and they were actually wheeling me out of the delivery room into the operating room to do an emergency C-section. Um, so the last thing I remember was being in that hallway, and then the next point of my awareness was being uh, kind of hovering, you know, above my body um, and watching myself in particulate matter sort of accumulate to that point above my body. So first I could see... And then I was watching these particles leave the, the body below and, and come up to where I where my eyes were, where my sight was coming from. Um, I looked around and I thought, wow, this is amazing. I, I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't hear anything. All I could do was see. Um, I mean, physically, I couldn't feel anything. I did have feelings, however. Um, so I looked around the room and I saw what was going on and I saw my body below me. Um, only I didn't know that it was, it was my body. I didn't recognize it as a person. I was very detached and, and, um, and everything, you know, nothing had a, had a label to it. Um, I was just simply watching this scene. And I watched the doctor take my daughter out of my belly. They did the, they did the C-section and hand her to a person at my right shoulder who took her and turned around. And I remember wondering, what's going on? You know, I, I want to see. What are you doing? Um, and then I saw somebody come in the room and step up to my body on the other side. And as I, I moved around the room, I started to become more attached to what was going on. And I, I wanted to know more. I became curious. Um, as soon as I had that desire, that, that curiosity, I felt something pulling me to the left. And at first it wasn't very strong and I resisted it. And you know I want to stay is what I was feeling. And it pulled harder. So at that point I knew that I needed to go. Um, so all of a sudden... Um, in an instant, I was moving, and I was moving very rapidly. And uh, I moved through a white space. It wasn't a light, but it was just a very a permeating white space, and it went by very quickly. And then I was in a, in, a, in a space where I was 
reunited with the, the same particulate matter that I was. Um, and it was just this benevolent, all-encompassing love. Um, it, it overwhelmed me in a beautiful, wonderful way, and I just was immersed in it. Um, and then once I felt that, I was then given the answers to all the questions I'd ever had in my life. And what they boiled down to was just exactly what I was feeling, which was love, no matter what the question. So I, you know, I was thrilled to be there. I was enjoying it. And then off to my right, I saw a very faint whitish gray light, um, first circular. And it got brighter and brighter and larger until I was just outside of it. And I, I was choosing to move towards that. It, it wasn't that I had to do it, that I was, but I was compelled to do it. Um, it was calling me and I was, I was also, um, wanting to go toward it. And once I got to that opening, there was a spirit. There were spirit figures, and there were shadow-like like figures of, of people, although very ill-defined. Um, and in the front was a little boy, and it was that little boy who was really drawing me in. It, he was um, um, calling to my, my empathy, my compassion, and he needed me. So, of course, I wanted to help him. And I, so I went through that space in, with the, the intention of helping, and there were adults around him, sort of surrounding uh, him uh, in the back. And so I moved into that space. I moved along a line of these shadow figures, and then the little boy was gone. He wasn't there any longer. And I wondered where he was, and, and at the same time, these other people needed my help, too. So my feeling was, oh, my gosh, I want to help all of you. And as soon as I felt that, they started to come at me very quickly. Um, they, they come at me and then move away and come at me and move away. And I realized that they, what they wanted was my energy, and they were they were taking it for their own use, and they were depleting me of my energy. And I knew that if I stayed there, that I would be lost forever. And with that, I had the intention to leave, and I was, I was being pulled away once again. And I was back in that static tunnel. Um, I call it a tunnel, but it was really a space, um, that static space where I was, again, again, reabsorbed. And then I came to very quickly to another opening, and this was less defined. Um, I moved through it almost like it was a fluid kind of movement into this glorious, glorious landscape where there were yellow flowers spread out in front of me and green hills in the background, and trees and blue sky. And off to my right, there was a, an evergreen forest, very dense evergreen forest. And to my left, there was a beautiful rocky waterfall with moss-covered rocks and very tranquil. And, and I was... I was, again, my energy was just immersed in all of it, and I was a part of it, and it was a part of me. And uh, what I, I refer to it as my Eden. And then I was flanked on both sides. I was flanked by these benevolent, loving, spiritual beings. That's what I, I can call them angels, I suppose, just because of, that's the word that we, we give um, entities like that. But um, they were, they were uh, beings that knew more than me. They, they were there to serve as my guides and my, almost like my mentors. Um, and they, at that point, they gave me three choices. I could either stay in that beautiful Eden, I could move through there and go to what lay beyond, or I could return to my body. And it didn't take me very long at all to decide I wanted to come back. And, of course, they granted that. And as I was literally, as I was moving away, my energy was leaving them. Um, almost going backward, they turned and they said, but if you leave, you need to share what you learned here. And I said, okay, of course. And then the next thing I remember was being, was sort of waking up to pain in my chest. And what I 
realized after that was that that was my neurologist rubbing his knuckles on my sternum to try to get me to respond. Um, and what had happened was I had suffered an amniotic fluid embolism and had um, uh, gone into cardiorespiratory arrest for eight minutes. And they wow. actually had to, yeah, they had, actually had to stop chest compressions for two minutes while they delivered my daughter and then resumed and um, had to put me in the ICU. So I was in the ICU for three days and, and recovered from that. Um, so here I am 14 years later talking to wow. you. Wow. <laughs> so an, an amazing story. Let me take you back to where you first uh, started encountering the spirits that were asking for your help. Was it like a ghostly realm? Do you feel you were still on um, the, the earthly plane and these were spirits that hadn't figured out yet that they could go into the light? Yes, you know, in some sense. And it, it was a spiritual plane. Um, and what I felt was that my they had, they had wanted my help, so that was their intention. Um, mm-hmm. My intention was, yes, I'll help you. So our energies were really pulling each. We were, I was pulling them towards me almost, and they were pulling me towards them. And they had they had an agenda. They wanted my help. I didn't know what they wanted it for, and it didn't matter to me. Um, I I just had that intention of wanting to help. So when they started to take my energy and deplete my energy, I had a choice at that point. I could stay and help them and lose myself and basically sacrifice myself to these spirits for their benefit, or I could take care of myself and allow myself the, the choice to leave. Right. And, and do you, and do you think, I'm sorry, do, do you think that if you had decided to stay and sacrifice yourself that you would have been, you would have been become totally non-existent, that you would have, those particles that you were describing would have all flowed to other beings and you would be gone? Exactly. Exactly. Mm. This is very interesting. So it sounds like uh, their their neediness was not something that you should have indulged them in. Yes, and you know, initially I I felt that um, afterwards when I had recalled my experience and, and was contemplating it. And what I realized now, years later, was that the reason why I had that experience was sort of a test, because in my earthly life before, I had often allowed other people to use my energy to deplete me in, in serving them in fulfilling their own needs as giving of myself to the point where I had nothing left to give myself. And so this, that was a lesson for me. Right. So this was a way, uh, 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 a spiritual parallel, if you will, to your, your uh, previous earthly life. Yes. That's so interesting. Uh, I mean, that that you could be taught that way. Now, you know, when uh, oh Buddhists, for instance, talk about the bardo or going through a a, a dark area, a spiritually dark area, on your way into the light, yeah, uh, sometimes talk about demons or ghosts or uh, distractions. Um, and do you feel like you were that? That's just part of the ordinary journey uh, through to uh, to the light is something that other people who might have an NDE might experience as well? You know, I, I do. Perhaps they may experience a, a similar thing. Um, I believe that that was, that was created for me and by me so that I could, with the attention of me returning and sharing my story with other people, because 
these stories tend to alleviate fears in others. And when people are speaking to you about the problems that they've had in their lives or, or the things that cause them pain, oftentimes, you know, it's our human nature to to sympathize rather than emphasize with them. So in, in the, the act of sympathy, we're actually, you know, uh, saying, oh, you know, I want to help you. I'm so sorry you're feeling this way. And it's sort of a depletion of our energy. Mm. When we're emphasizing, it's more of a maintaining your, your footing in, your, in yourself while being of service to that person. So right. I needed to learn that lesson there in order to do what it is I came back to do. Now, when you when you finally got through that area and came into what you described as your Eden with the sky and the fields and the woods and so forth, there were other spiritual beings there, but they were of a different nature than the ones you'd encountered before? Yes, very, very different. And how did you know they were different? Did, did you recognize any of them? Were they uh, uh, friends or relatives who had predeceased you? Well, I recognized the feeling that we shared between us. Um, I had had an experience when I was a child of a, a visitation of an angel, what I now know is an angel, and I was very, very small, and, and, and I remember how he made me feel. He made me feel love, but it was a detached sort of love, and he taught me that that is the kind of love that I needed to maintain for myself in order to live my life. Um, it, it sort of uh, goes along with the Hindu philosophy, I suppose, and um, in that detachment um, from from material things, you know, we we're here to we're here to love and be compassionate, show compassion, but in a detached sort of way, not in an ownership kind of way. Mm. So I feel that it was related to that the feelings that these spirit beings that I encountered in my near death experience made me feel the same way that, that the angel made me feel when I was a child. So they were they were my guides. They were there to love me unconditionally, not to own me or to tell me what to do, but to guide me. Tell us a little about the uh, the angelic visit. How old were you? What were the circumstances? Oh, that was a really cool thing. Um, I was probably about four years old, and I recall very vividly kneeling in my bedroom on the floor looking at a book, and um, I, <laughs> I felt something next to me nearby, and it was on my left, and I turned, and I, looked, I remember looking at my closet doors, knowing that it was there, but not seeing anything and being really confused about it. And mm-hmm. then it communicated to me, and it was what I now believe was Archangel Michael, and he said, I'm here to love you. And, and it wasn't a saying, it was more of a, it was just a feeling. I felt that, and I, and I returned the feeling to him like my mommy and daddy. I wanted their love. I wanted their um, attention and time and, and energy, and I didn't get that as much as I needed it as a child. And he said, no, that's not, that's not the love you need. You need the kind of love that you give yourself, and then that love you can give to others. And then with that, he was gone. And I, I didn't really understand, but I knew he'd be there for me if I if I needed him. It was just this mm-hmm. information, this knowledge that he gave to me. So he would be present. You know, I'd be playing by myself um, in the the months, years later, and I and he would just be there. He'd just show up, and then I'll, I had to think about him. That's all I had to do, and he would be there immediately. And then their time came where I needed him less and less. And, and, it, and one day, again, I was in my bedroom and kneeling on the floor, and I, and I wished for him, and I looked up out the window waiting for him, and he didn't come, and I wished for him again, 
And then he appeared on my right side, and I say appears, I felt him on my right side. And I knew he was there, and he moved through me into the center of my chest. And he said, you don't need me anymore. You have everything you need right here. So this is very much like uh, many children talk about having invisible friends, and they could be their guardian angels. Yes, exactly. Wow. And how old were you when the, when he told you you didn't need him anymore? I was probably maybe a year a year older, um, and I just I remember the feeling of of just that more independence, um, mm-hmm. more self reliance emotionally that I had, um, and I recognized that. As you know, I, I was just wish for him less and less. I didn't need him as much, and he knew that. Did you feel disappointed when he was saying goodbye? <laughs> yeah, just for an instant, for a brief instant, but I knew intuitively that's what needed to happen. And in that, you know, I remember, I remember feeling that and then saying, oh, okay. And I got up and I remember going outside looking for some of the neighbor kids to play with. <laughs> now, now, going back to Eden, was it a difficult decision for you to say, no, I don't want to stay here in this perfect place, I want to go back? Or... <laughs> yeah, you know, it, again, everything is set up, it's so fast, and, and, and for an instant, I wanted to move on, I wanted to move through there and to see what, what lay beyond there, and um, and then, for and I don't know why, but I just said, no, I'm, I'm going back. Mm. And I don't know, I didn't know at the time the reason for that. Well, of course, you, you'd had a baby, so that was that must have been one reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I knew on some level, I'm sure, that that's what it was, but um, I certainly didn't remember it when I woke up. I, I had no idea I was even pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, you, you, you have said um, when you did come back, uh, you, that you, um, I guess, first tried to tell people about it, but they didn't understand, and so you just shut up and pushed the whole experience away from you? Yes, exactly. You know, it, and people who have had, as you know, people who have had near-death experiences yourself, they, it's such a profound thing. Words fall short. There's, you can't really find the right words to describe it. And, and I, so I tried to find the words, and, and I was frustrated because I just couldn't, describe the depth of the experience and how much it had changed me fundamentally. Mm. And they were, you know, their energy was, oh, we're just glad to have you back. We we want you to be the person that you were before. And so, you know, ener- we're all energy, and I felt that. I wanted to be that person on some level um, because I wanted them to feel okay. I wanted them to feel better um, about me. And I that's what my where my, my struggle really came in was but I had this profound experience that, that I came back to be the love that I felt in the afterlife and to share that love with everybody. And in order to be that love, it would it would take uh it would just take so much of my old self away from me, I suppose. Um and replace it with that deep love. And, and I knew, I felt on some level, you know, that that these, my family, though they love me, they would never be able to understand it. They would never be able to understand me. And so I, that brought the fear in. Um, mm. and it sort of drew me back to who, you know, who I was before. 
And, and then I guess things didn't work out so well for a while because your your husband got ill. Yeah, you know, for for the years, several years following my experience, I and not not living as the person I knew I was um, to the extent that I felt I needed to do it. I was just very unhappy, and I and I lived uh, unhappily um, for most part. For the most part, you know, I smile and and joke and, and have fun, but underlying it all, I, I was unfulfilled and, and not truly happy. Um, at the same time, my husband was a, a touring musician, and so he was gone um, for months at a time, will come home and for months and then go away again. So um, during that, the times that, that he was gone, um, it was pretty difficult and to maintain myself in my life, and, and so I, I suffered from depression and anxiety. And then he became really sick with, um, he has Crohn's disease, and, and he had some complications related to the Crohn's disease that made him very ill. But we didn't know what was, yes. what was wrong with him for a long time. So, um, so during that time, things got real. <laughs> mm. Things got really real. We didn't know if he was going to live or die. Um, so, you know, that makes, that creates a, a rawness in you that, that, um, life becomes very acute. Um, you know, you live in the moment, and that's that's where my healing really began. Yeah, I, I see that as a as a chaplain. I see that happening in families all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing like a a physical crisis to bring on uh, spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. So so then you you re uh, um, absorbed the NDE experience into your life. Oh yes, I uh, I realized that because it had been it had been poking at me over the years, you know, I have it in the back of my mind. It was always there and, and it would come forth into my consciousness and, and I'd push it away. And, um, and then, it, you know, it was doing, it was continuing to do it. And when my husband became ill and I started to, my consciousness and my spirituality started to shift. That was when my nearest experience really just full force <laughs> was in my consciousness. Wow. And, you know, I started, my daughter was born on seven seventeen, and, Randomly, I see seemingly randomly, I see seven seventeen everywhere, and um, and then you know just memories of my near death experience would pop up, and I found myself allowing them um, to remain and to really feel them again and to go through that process of integration um, into my my spirit, into my soul once again, and through that came the what I write about in the book, the twelve principles for daily living, which. Through, through feeling that experience and re-experiencing it in the body, I was able to heal. And I started to live my life differently. And I lived my, my life through the 12 principles. And it just brought this miraculous healing to us all. And we continue to experience its benefits today, every day, every minute of every day. Has talking about your NDE and writing about your NDE uh, given your, your husband hope? And has it uh, given him uh, spiritual strength? Tremendous. Um, I can't even tell you the transformation, like the, the profound transformation that's occurred in him. Um, he sees himself completely differently. Um, he grew up in a violent kind of household and, um, and sort of maintained that uh, in some regard when he was a musician. He was playing in a hardcore music band and around people who were fairly negative and, um, and, so he, that's where he felt comfortable. When he became ill and, and then recovered, he realized that he needed to change his 
way of thinking and, and way of existing, basically. And he saw this, this transformation happening in me, and he realized, wow, this, she has something there. What is it? And so we worked together, and, um, and he, whew, he is so different today. I, his energy is completely different. His life is, is just so much richer and happier, and he trusts himself and believes in himself so much more, and it's, it's just beautiful to see that. Yeah, I, I think it's amazing how hearing about near-death experience um, can can strengthen people. Can you know uh, the 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 teller of the tale is often embarrassed at first or uh, a little bit scared to even be talking about something so strange, but the hearer of the tale, if they finally accept it as being true, can grow enormously without having had an NDE themselves. They can learn a powerful message from it. Well, well, tell tell us now um, uh, something about the uh, twelve principles. How you came up with them, and, and maybe you could run through a list for us. Oh, sure. Well, I came up with them um, really just through through meditation and and really focusing on my the message from my near death experience. And you know, I mentioned it's it's so hard to describe it in words, and I wanted to be able to do that. I wanted to be able to to you know write it down on paper. Um, how I got to the point I was at in my healing process using my near-death experience. Um, and, you know, what are the things I was doing in order to heal myself? So the 12 principles include the, the physical manifestation of that, um, that spiritual process. And they are live in awareness, and the awareness is who we are, which is, you know, spiritual beings and physical bodies that we're integrally connected to the universe and are are made up physically are made up of divine love. Um, live willingly, which is allowing that to integrate into your life, and and also having the flexibility uh, in every area of your life to allow people to be who they are, allow yourself to be who you are. Um, and I'll just go through the rest of them sort of briefly. Live lovingly, fearlessly, compassionately, patiently, presently, spiritually, faithfully, purposefully, creatively, and miraculously. Wow, that's great. Um, now, uh, perhaps you could tell folks where um, where they could get a uh, a hold of the, a copy of your book if they'd like to learn more about it. Yeah, um, it's available on Amazon um, as a you know as a digital download or hard copy can be ordered. And I'm actually writing a book um, just on the twelve principles that goes into each one in, in more depth. Than I died mm-hmm. and learned how to live does, and um, so yeah, it gives descriptions, greater, uh, more length descriptions, and then practical application of each one. And how could someone uh, buying this book? How could they put it to use in their lives? Well, you know, it's really an individual process for each person. But my recommendation is to take just very specific situations or circumstances in one's life, and Take the principles and journal about it. Um, think about it. Meditate on it, and see how we can apply the principles in that situation in order to bring about more love and understanding, compassion, grace, and ultimately a, a happier, more joyful existence. Hmm. Uh, the uh, Dalai Lama likes to speak of compassion. That's 
his word that sums up just about uh, everything uh, that that um, he talks about spiritually is to put ourselves in in the place of others. And when uh, people who report having had um, life reviews in in the process of having their near death experience often talk about how it's almost like perfect compassion because they are the other person receiving either the benefit or the pain that you were generating back at, at that time when you either helped someone or hurt someone. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that integration of, uh, of, you, of your understanding with their experience is just a tr- terrifically powerful. Well, I think all of the things that you mentioned here are really uh, powerful words um, to live faithfully, to live spiritually, to live presently. Uh, that whole notion of being here now is is um, is wonderful. So I I would uh, hope that people will get out and uh, pick up a copy of this and really put it to use. Oh yeah, uh, Krista, it's, it looks like we're just about out of time for today. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so I want to thank you, Krista Gorman, for describing uh, your NDE and how it changed your life. Do you have a website that uh, you could tell people about? Oh, sure. It's KristaGorman.com, and it's just a place where I, I have a blog, and I just write down my thoughts, and I invite anyone um, who has an inclination to share their stories with me, and my email is on the website. Oh, thank you, Krista. Oh, thank you. So, folks, so folks, if you'd like to listen again to uh, this or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about the work of IANS, check out their website, iands.org. And tune in next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening. <laughs>